With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our unmatched baseball conversation resumes today with Jim Cott. How you doing, sir? I'm fine, Patrick. Still down here in toasty Florida. <laughs> Not too bad. Uh, the <laughs> Twins should have stayed there. I don't know what their hurry to leave was. I would have played two more games in Florida instead of having to. They're only going to play one game in the in three days before the season starts. I think they would have been better off staying in Florida. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's always uh, you know a bit iffy when teams are going north, particularly this early. Remember. We, Years ago, we never opened the season until like April 15th. Yeah, and even I, then, we, we would play in some snow flurries on occasion. So it's, it's, uh, it can be dicey trying to start the season this soon in the, in the north and the northeast and even the Midwest. I was just going to say that uh, you had about two exhibition starts left before, you know, at this time when you were still in, uh, when you were pitching, and now they're, they got to crank it up early, man. I, I know they're down there the normal length, but it just seems like everything was rushed this year because it started so early. Yeah, I, I got the same feeling. I mean, it, uh, you see pitchers now, I'm watching right now the Cleveland Diamondback game. I thought the Blue Jays would be on. I'm doing their game Friday, but that's not till later. But I see the starters, you know, now they're kind of hitting six innings. I think there's yeah. a few that have gone longer. But by this time, we, you know, we kind of hope to uh, be ready to go seven to nine in our next start before mid-April. But that doesn't happen anymore. Hey, Jim, what would you guys, would you guys go seven uh, for sure before you left Florida? Well, we'd sure try. I think the the regular routine, and you know how things have changed, but, uh, you know, we would start out with 3, 3, 5, 5, 7, and then, you know, a couple times I know I went 9, but what we did in the days we pitched 5 or 7, and, and I always think that today one of the reasons, uh, you know, pitchers aren't aren't really, they don't maximize their potential by taking them out after 100 pitches because, uh, like Louis Tiant and I would go down to the bullpen after pitching five, six, or seven, and then when the visiting team got up to hit, we would throw, oh, four, five, six. I'd thrown as many as 13 innings. But wow. Not full, not full throttle with your arm, but you use your legs. I see. To push off like you do in a game, and, and that's what happens to pitchers late in the game. It's not... That they, you know, they think they're protecting their arm, they being management, but that doesn't protect their arm. Their legs get tired, and that's when the ball starts going all over the place. So, like all other sports, the foundation starts from the ground up. 
Uh, Jim, you've had a wonderful career in uh, broadcasting, telecasting, but uh, you were a pitching coach for a while for uh, Pete Rose in uh, Cincinnati. Did you ever you ever regret not sticking with that? Well, not really. Only only I was be- only because by getting into this, you know, as I call legalized robbery <laughs> of uh, of talking baseball sure, on right. TV and the radio. You know the the hours that coach, coaches sure. put in. I, I know that they're they're paid better than we were when I took the job in Cincinnati. But I did that more out of uh, out of respect for. I was honored that Pete had always said if he got a managing job, he wanted me to be his pitching coach, and I really enjoyed it. I, we had a great year. Tom Browning won twenty games that year on a four man rotation, and. Uh, uh, the comments I've gotten back from the pitchers that were there then, like John Stuper and Johnny Franco, uh, was very rewarding. So I enjoyed it, but being able to get into the selfishly into the television <laughs> business where I had a little more free time and and it became a little more lucrative than coaching. So uh, that was that was a very fortunate move for me. Now you uh, you uh, going to do some stuff for the Twins this year off the field. Uh, you were you had a chance to spend a couple of days in Fort Myers in camp. Uh, uh, did you get to meet some of the new characters? Well, I really did. You know, I started. I went to fantasy camp this winter, then a couple of days at Twins Fest, and then the, my two days at Fort Myers were really productive. Uh, of course, uh, seeing guys like Phil Roof and and Tony and Rod and, and you guys that were my teammates uh, was, was very enjoyable. And then uh, connecting with Derek Falvey and Fab Levine, and, and I actually spent two hours with the young men uh, in the analytics department trying to learn you know, what they do, what they input, how it impacts the team in terms of uh, how they set their defense or information that they pass on to Paul Molitor. So it just seems like this game is evolving. Uh, I've always felt that you, you never know it all. You have to keep learning. So it was a great learning experience for me. And then, uh, you know, met a lot of the, the sponsors that were uh, there at a function they had one evening in, in Fort Myers. So it was time well spent. And I hope to come up a couple times, particularly the Twins Hall of Fame activities, the weekend there. And I'm sure Dave St. Peter might have another uh, assignment for me or two before the season's over. Uh, a lion's share of those uh, analytics by these uh, young geniuses they have are are based on development too. They uh, they they really want to uh, figure out how to best serve the uh, the prospects, which I think is probably a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think a lot of it is in player evaluation, you know, and trying to uh, trying to evaluate what what this player might be worth on the big league level after a certain number of years. Of course, I keep throwing the human element back at them. Yeah. Like most of the time at 33 or 34, they would say, well, a player's production is going to go downhill. That's what the percentages say. I happen to be lucky to get back together with Johnny Sane. So my years, age 35 and 36, were two of the best years I ever had. And then one of the one of the uh, fun things I had with the kids, I call them kids, to me in the analytics department, I said, "Hey, I heard if you put the first strike in play, <laughs> the league average is 340." Yeah, that's true. I said, "Boy, that's good. That's that's a good average." I said, "But as a pitcher, I like that because if I make them put the first three strikes in play, I got two outs." Yeah, <laughs> they hit 340, but 660 they made out. So, yes. 
you know, there, there's always a pitcher's way to look at things or a hitter's way, and then you still have to factor in the human element. Like uh, supposedly a good curveball is a better pitch on a 3-1 count than a, than a uh, mid-90 fastball, but that depends whose curveball it is and how good it is that particular day. But that's all part of the learning experience, I think, that uh, we learn from both ends. And I, I'm impressed that uh, I think we're starting to bridge the gap where a few years a few years ago, the the analytics guys, even some that wrote books, they were really condescending and some mean spirit yes. toward what players did in the past. Yes, it's like you guys don't get it. You have to get with what we're doing today. And now I think there's a blend of hey, uh, what you guys did back then might have some value, and we'll blend it with what we have today. Uh, Jim Cott is with us, talking twins here as the uh, opening day is only uh, two days away. That is hard to believe. Uh, this Lance Lynn is uh, kind of a throwback pitcher. I don't know if you've gotten to see much of him, Jim, but uh, he kind of throws about 90% fastballs, and he wants to get it over the plate and keep the game moving. Boy, I, I love that. I talked to some of the Cardinals people when they – twins made that deal because uh, I'm, I'm very close to Cardinal camp down here in Florida and they all said the same thing they said you're going to love the guy he loves the ball he's not making any excuses he, he's got a lot of confidence in his fastball you know what you know what surprised me I mean he's a big guy I want to yeah. say he's six four six five yeah and and he doesn't you know what he weighs he weighs 280 pounds really but when you look at him you say no he, I mean, he looks solid as concrete. I mean, he is a he is a big guy, and I think that's you know that's a big reason for uh, for his durability. I think he's going to be a great addition to the uh, to the twin staff. I had no idea his weight was that high. I figured about two and a half, maybe two forty something yeah, like no, that. He is he is solid. You know, he's thick, and like you said, he's durable. He throws a lot of fastballs, trusts his fastball, and uh, I think. When other pitchers on the Twins team uh, see the way he operates, kind of like what Jack Morris was for the Twins in 91, a good example for younger pitchers, Lance Lynn could do the same thing. So what's your uh, season opener for MLB, sir? It'll be Friday in Toronto. Got uh, Tanaka against Aaron Sanchez for the Blue Jays. Uh, Sanchez had some blister issues uh, last year, but he led the league in ERA two years ago with a 15 and two record. So, uh, you know, the Blue Jays are one of those teams that if this and if that, they could yep. be pretty good. But obvious hype is on the Yankees and the fact that they can run Judge Stanton and Sanchez uh, uh, at a pitcher. And it's going to be interesting to see how intimidated pitchers get by facing uh, those three guys probably back to back to back. I would hate to be a lefty like uh, Hector Santiago or somebody like yeah, that who I'd, doesn't like I'd the challenge. My, uh, I'd want to get my glove up in the fielding <laughs> position in a hurry in case one came back through the box. Uh, this is like facing uh, at least two Frank Howards here, man, alive. Yeah, exactly, yeah. How'd you do with Frank Howard? I know Tion hated to pitch to him. Well, I uh, I didn't do very well. <laughs> I didn't do very well. I learned the hard way. I always thought that, you know, I'd get him in a position and I'd say, I think I can sneak a fastball in on the hands. And I never could do it. He was ready for it. And finally, Johnny Sane told me one day, hey, this is easy to say but tougher to do. He said, why don't you just 
wind up and say, here, Frank, hit it as far as you can. <laughs> like you're pitching batting practice. So I, I had a man on, and I was frustrated enough to say, I'm going to try that. You know, we're, before sports psychologists, we did a lot of talking to ourselves. Sure. About so I said, okay, Frank, here, you know, I didn't say it out loud to him, but to myself, I said, here it comes, hit it as far as you can. And he hit a nice ground ball for a double play. <laughs> I wish I had done that much sooner. <laughs> okay. Hey, Jim, thanks for your time. Have a good opener, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Thank you, Patrick. All right. The great Jim Cott, he will be with us uh, every other uh, week. Uh, Tom Kelly next week and uh, Buster only tomorrow uh, will uh, be joining us. And we have the same crew as last year. Why change when you have perfection? Cott, Kelly only and Kirkjian. Pretty dang good. We shall return. Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. Get off to a good start. A lot of talk, a lot of communication. Pressure there, D. Pressure there, D. Good job, good job. Concentrate on your next two shifts. Put them together, string them together. Uh, that must be right off the bench, huh? That yeah, be, that uh, was uh, Coach Motzko right mic'd up a few years ago. That's yeah. uh, Bob Motzko, the St. Cloud State uh, coach for the last 13 years, who today was named as the new Gophers hockey coach. Uh, Bob Motzko, he's 57 today. Today's yes. his birthday, 57 right. today. Happy birthday to Bob. He got a nice raise, I'm sure. And uh, he's only a couple years younger than Lucia. I, that's what I. That's the one uh, thing I wondered when the rumors were flying that he was going to be the next coach if they might uh, go younger. But he's got ten years in him uh, to coach hockey, and uh, he's a, a really good guy. Uh, it tells me how old I am. That yesterday we were talking about Austin, Minnesota, as a basketball hotbed, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, playing Edgerton in the nineteen sixty finals, and well, he's an Austin, Minnesota native, uh, and they didn't even know hockey existed. Uh, he was 57, so uh, he was uh, born down there in what the when? Fifty? Give me my math here. 19, oh, 61. 60. He's born in 61. Eh, hockey wasn't even down there yet. He must have discovered it later on in mm-hmm. life. Uh, but he went to St. Cloud State. 1970 graduate of St. Cloud State, two-year letterman for the Huskies. A Moscow began his coaching career as an assistant at St. Cloud State under Herbie, 1986-1987, right out of uh, college. And uh, he then was the GM and the coach at North Iowa Huskies of the USHL from 87 to 91. Boy, he was just a kid then when he was coaching there. Spent two years at the Miami of Ohio as an assistant. One year at Denver as an assistant. Three years at Miami as an assistant. He's been around. He became an assistant with the Gophers uh, in uh, he was uh, b- before he became an assistant with the Gophers. He was the general manager and coach of the Sioux Falls Stampede when they came to the USHL in 1998, and they're still going. In 2001, he came to work for the Gophers and uh, was on was an assistant coach for Coach uh, Lucia on both national championship teams before he went to St. Cloud State in the 13 years ago and got the St. Cloud State job. 
276, 192, and 49 is his record. Uh, the uh, Huskies were, uh, of course, uh, had a great year this year until they got knocked off uh, by Air Force, upset in the first round. It was a very uh, sad day on the ride with Royce. Sweet 16, yes, to see the Huskies lose. And uh, now, the of course, there's some people in St. Cloud saying, well, the hot rumors about him leaving affected the team and that Air Force loss, uh, I don't buy that. I don't buy that for a second. I don't buy no. that either. He's not the kind of guy uh, that he was... Uh, that uh, that would uh, not give his full attention to a team because of something like that. As I said, 57 years old. Uh, at, Moscow was signed at St. Cloud State through 2020-21. He was making about 300. Uh, Lucia was making about double that. He was making low 300s. Lucia was making double of that, and I'm sure that they had to uh, uh, goose it up from there because uh, I'm sure St. Cloud would have tried to give him something else, give him a... Give him another deal, deal. but uh, the Gophers' gross revenues as an athletic department have to be uh, fifteen to twenty times greater than St. Cloud State. So, I, I would I mean, imagine they can, yeah. they can go pay him, and uh, there's no way that uh, St. Cloud State could ever. Win. I was trying to tell St. Cloud State people at the. Uh, on they Twitter, weren't going to be able to match Twitter it. a couple of weeks ago when I was saying that uh, I thought he was the likely guy to get the job, although the the age thing. But uh, people are saying, well, why would he leave St. Cloud when uh, they already have solid foundation there? Well, the Gophers still get four-star recruits. They just yeah. don't make the most of them or haven't made the most of them lately. Uh, they get, you know, they got a higher budgets in all areas the Big Ten is on the rise. Uh, it, it was a no-brainer for Bob Moscow to take this job. And you can't complain when a guy's been someplace 13 years and has turned around the program like he did, made him a – they won the league this year in the NCHC, which is even despite what the Big Ten did this year, still the best conference in the country. So uh, a really good guy. Uh, we had him on, uh, what, a month ago, six weeks ago, talking about when Jim Johansson died because uh, mm-hmm. he's coached – U.S. junior teams, uh, had a had a championship team in U.S. juniors and uh, has uh, done uh, extremely well in, in that area, too. He's connected with USA Hockey. I got a chance to meet him probably about 10 years ago now because I was working my first radio job up in Roseau and I was covering Roseau Hockey and and uh, Bob was recruiting one of up the there. one of the Roseau players mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was actually recruiting I think it was Nick Oliver, the the son of the head coach of the Roseau co- uh, coach at that time, mm-hmm. and Scott Oliver, the head coach, introduced me to Bob Motzko and just said, "Hey, man, he wanted to introduce you as mm-hmm. Bob Motzko, head coach of St. Cloud State." And Bob couldn't have been a nicer guy. Just yeah, really super good dude. Uh, I was uh, contacting people up in St. Cloud today, and they said that it was a very in you know, there's no not much media up there at all. A very informal, yeah, you know. Everybody had his cell phone and talked to him, and uh, he'll, he'll have to tighten that up a little bit down here. Probably, yeah, a little more. just a little bit. Although uh, <laughs> it's a long way back for uh, in in this market, Gopher hockey has slipped. It's not as important as it used to be, and it's going to be hard to get back because you got you got the hockey team in St. Paul that draws one hundred and two percent of capacity every night. There's not that. You know they they don't have that cult anymore like they had go for hockey and uh, they're gonna have to try to get it back 
And people are going to have to stop whining about the Big Ten. They got three out of the four teams in the Frozen Four. The league's fine. Uh, you know, North Dakota's not in your league, okay? Get over it. Uh, so, uh, yeah. anyway, Bob Motzko, a good good hire, good guy. And uh, as I said on Twitter, I hope he didn't get the job because then I'd have to go some games. <laughs> Take the time <laughs> to get over to Mariucci again. Or the 3M Arena at Mariucci. By the way, a title which makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense, okay? 3M Arena at Mariucci makes no sense. Yeah, it's odd. All right, we'll be back. What do you uh, two gentlemen want to read about Bob Motzko and tomorrow's Star Tribune? I'm trying to think of a lead here. Whether he likes ponies or something. What to, what to, as a kid down in Austin, whether dad worked at Hormel, I, I don't know what to do here. So he, uh, he seems like a pretty straight shooting fellow. He is a good fella. guy, yeah. good guy, low-key guy, but, uh, you know, very smart. Plus, he's the master of the weak side power play. They keep sneaking that guy in off the power play, and they score goals. It's well, like every time novel, uh, novel approach. He's uh, he's pretty good. Did your uh, search work? You're back quickly. We're, we were surprised. Did you find uh, the uh, yes, charger? Yes, someone good. with the uh, my talk had a uh, had a power cord that I was able to uh, plug my phone in for a while. Beautiful. Something's running in there. Yeah, that eating up the power, but I can't figure it out. I look at the settings and it doesn't. But uh, maybe it's just it's a six, so maybe it's old. I don't know. This update sponsored by KFC. It is life itself, though. Now if you it really is. Phone, <laughs> it, it's like your life is ruined if you don't have an effective yeah. cell, a cell phone. Hmm? KFC's twenty dollars fill-ups will feed a family of four with eight pieces of delicious Kentucky Fried Chicken, two sides of taters and gravy, coleslaw, and four flaky biscuits. For just $20. So stop into a KFC and treat yourselves to a $20 fill-up. KFC, it's finger-licking good. Did you throw Did you throw taters in there as a North Dakota boy, or is that in the copy? That is in the actual copy. Okay, taters. all right. Taters, yeah. okay. Taters is in the copy. I didn't think you were that much of a rube, but uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I might say that at home on occasion. Yeah, give Patrick, me some taters. Make some I, taters. I don't expect that from you. I expect that from the highfalutin mayor, but <laughs> not from you. You're you're formerly rural. Yeah, but we, I, I still said potatoes. <laughs> potatoes. 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 <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> okay, that counts. <laughs> we're learning a little more now about uh, Teddy Bridgewater's health last season courtesy of Mike Zimmer. Uh, Zimmer said today during the coach's breakfast at the annual league meeting in Orlando that Bridgewater's medical reports weren't glowing, noting the doctor's reviews of the quarterback's knee didn't reflect what he saw on the practice field. He said, the reports I'd get back from the medical people weren't as positive as I was about it. That's kind of how it came down to is that his knee wasn't as, well, he still has some recovery to do. He is so candid at these things. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he gets a little vodka in his orange juice in the morning at breakfast or something. Coach Zim, why didn't you tell us about Teddy's knee right away? <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> right. uh, Bridgewater, he, of course, has signed with the New York Jets. This has been all over the New York media, okay. uh, Zimmer's comments. Uh, the structure of the deal, though, they're not out much. Uh, $500,000 yeah. signing bonus, mm-hmm. $500,000 workout bonus, and a non-guaranteed $5 million base salary. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll yeah, that's what, I, that's what I thought. But, uh, you know, I'm sure Teddy's really pleased. We already got Sharif Floyd mad at us for uh, what <laughs> Zimmy's been saying about him. And now, and now uh, Teddy. 
NFL owners uh, unanimously approving a new catch rule today, a change designed specifically to avoid all those controversies that have vexed the league for most of this decade. Uh, Two other rule changes, too. One grants the authority to Al Riveron, the senior vice president of officiating, to eject players for non-football acts, even if it means overruling the on-field referees. They also made permanent the temporary rule that puts touchbacks after kickoffs at the 25-yard line. Uh, the Jets, meanwhile, remember they uh, put a proposal in a couple days ago that would make all defensive pass interference penalties 15 yards? Yeah. Uh, they withdrew that because uh, they couldn't find anybody else who was in favor of that. I'm with it. You're with I'm the, with the 15-yard. I would you like the you 15. You can't put the ball on a one-yard line. I see. I agree completely, and I've mm-hmm. said that for about 20 years, mm-hmm. but nobody seems to care. No. The Gophers have their new hockey uh, head coach. St. Cloud State coach Bob Motzko will take over the spot Don Lucia stepped away from last week. He served as Gophers assistant coach under Lucia, helping the Gophers win the NCAA championships in 2002 and 2003. Uh, Twins are still playing. They're in Washington playing wow. the Nationals in their little warm-up. We're going to get another season. tie? We're going to get our fourth we tie of the spring? Very well could. It's one-to-one in the top of the ninth. Wow. Uh, the Twins tied it up on an A. Ray Adrianza home run. Uh, they only had three hits uh, through well, the first Not eight. swinging the bats down there at the finish of spring training. Yeah. Not not finishing swinging the bats. I'm a little nervous. Uh, Barrios was good in the start. He went three innings, no hits, no runs, struck out three. Uh, the run, by the way, Hildeberger gave up the run, if anybody's wondering, mm-hmm. in one inning of work, so... Uh, Twins head to Baltimore after the game for their regular season opener on Thursday against the Orioles. They'll also need to make a roster move. Uh, Phil Hughes, we've already found out from manager Paul Molitor, is on the disabled list to start the season with a strained oblique. He actually stayed down in Florida, uh, so now they have uh, three outfielders vying for uh, two spots. Two He's spots. got a nice yeah. home down there in Paseo, so uh, Phil is. Uh, they might as well stay down there and get in shape. So. You think given the last few seasons, maybe Phil might want to, you know. Yeah, they owe him $26 million. I know. They're going to be patient. <laughs> They're going to be patient with Phil yeah. when they owe him $26 yeah. million. Yes. And I suppose he's probably not going to walk away from that $26 no, million no, no, at no. this he's, point either. He's, he's fine. All right. <laughs> we'll be back. You're on the ride with Roycey. He's an incredible troll. Well, yes. He has cultivated and fertilized his inner troll on 1500 ESPN. The ride with Roycey now continues. Offense. He's giving them the business. It's time for late hits. Manny, a lot of people consider you to be such a sports savant that you cannot be stumped. Okay. How is your cricket knowledge? <laughs> uh... Minimal? Not quite as strong as my NBA knowledge. Okay. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> well, you realize that cricket is the most ethical game in the world. Really? They you cannot cheat. If you're if if it's cheating, for instance, if you're a batter and you claim to have tipped the ball to stay alive and you really didn't, they'll basically like throw you out of the tournament and ban you You'll from be international play. <laughs> It's a completely ethical ball. Okay. Well, I mean, game. So we have a new scandal during the Cape Town test match between Australia and South Africa. Uh-oh. This is a big international meet. Stephen Smith, David Warner, and Cameron Bancroft have been thrown out of South Africa. They're leaving tomorrow in wake of their premeditated plan to tamper with the ball 
on the third day of the Cape Town test against South Africa, Gaylord Perry wouldn't have done well in soccer. I mean, in cricket, okay? Australian coach Darren Lehman was found to have had no private prior knowledge of the ball tampering plan and will remain in his position. All right, here's what happened. Do you know how bad, you know how scandalized Australia was by this? Australia is not defending the players. They are outraged at their own players. Wow. Including the Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, uh, (laughs) wanted to get at the bottom of this. They were, uh, they want ICC sanctions for Smith and Bancroft. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. The ball tampering incident took place during the afternoon session on day three of the Cape Town test and was picked up on t- um, by TV cameras. A small yellow object was seen in Bancroft's hands after he had worked on the ball, and he was also captured taking it from his pocket and placing it down his trousers. The yellow, the small yellow object. The footage showed Bancroft rubbing the rough side of the ball, the opposite side to which he would usually be trying to shine on his trousers. I guess you shine the ball on your trousers, but that's all you can do. Okay. He put the object down his pants after being spoken to uh, by a substitute, I don't know what that means, Peter Hanscom, who had come on the field after speaking to Coach Darren Lehman over a walkie-talkie. The substitute must be an official or something. Layman seemed to speak to Hanscom after footage of Bancroft working on the ball was shown on the TV screens at the ground. Umpires Nigel Long and Richard Illingsworth were then seen speaking with Bancroft, though they did not choose to change the ball or penalize Australia the five runs, the statutory on-field penalty for illegally changing the condition of the ball. When Bancroft spoke to the umpires, he was showing holding a a bigger black cloth rather than the small yellow object he had earlier seemed to place down his trousers. Uh, It's an international incident. Uh, These three guys are being sent home for the premeditated plan to alter the cricket ball. Wow. So uh, it is... uh, Lots of controversy. Now, if you want to watch cricket, the Bryn Mawr Park over there, you know where that is, Bryn Mawr Park on the, on the, in the Bryn Mawr area, right off Cedar Lake Road and oh, okay, next okay. to the freeway? Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, they're there playing games uh, on Sundays throughout the summer. Huh. There are cricket games, and uh, completely confusing, but uh, <laughs> but it's kind of fun. And they're, uh, but equally as ethical, I imagine. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. There was, but they take a lot of breaks. They're no hurry. They, they don't worry about... Speed of game, you know, like the uh, there's baseball. No, there's no the, pace of game. Uh, uh, Rob Manford would not up. like it. No, they're they taking TV time no, they play a TV for an, crew They there. play for an hour, and then they take a break and eat picnics and lunch with the whole family <laughs> and stuff. I went down there a couple of times. It's, it's kind of slow moving. There are f- three freshmen on the AP All-America team for the basketball for the first time. Trey Young, of course, Oklahoma's. DeAndre Ayton, the uh, monster from Arizona, and Marvin Bagley III uh, from Duke. Uh, You can't argue with any of those guys, can you? As being, uh, it's the trio made the lottery. The trio made history Tuesday by being named to the All America team. The first time three freshmen were named to the first team in its seventy-year history. 
Uh, they were joined by Villanova's Jalen Brunson and Kansas guard Devontae Graham on the team selected by a national poll. The All-America first team has had a pair of freshmen three times. John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins in 2010, Michael Beasley and Kevin Love in 2008, and Kevin Durant and Greg Oden in 2007. So, uh, yeah, it uh, it is a, uh, it is a, let's see, any interesting second teamers here? Uh, the kid from Ohio State, I see he's going into the draft too, uh, mm-hmm. Bates Diop. Yep. Uh, Trevor Trevon Blewett, Blewett from uh, Xavier. Yeah, he's uh, Miles Bridges on the second team. And uh, Carson Edwards, the Purdue kids on the third team. And that's about it as far as interesting guys is concerned. Holy cow. Uh, honorable mention, Mike Dom, the big kid from South Dakota State. That's pretty good really? for South Dakota State, right? Oh, okay. Uh, did our guy Nate Mason make it? I don't think so. Kenny Vargas, as John Heights been telling you, uh, cleared waivers. The Twins put him on waivers. Cincinnati claimed him with the idea that they were going to hope he cleared waivers and then sent him to AAA in case Joey Votto pulled a muscle or something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Twins claimed him back, and this time the Red Sox said the hell with it. So uh, Vargas is going to be at uh, AAA Rochester at least for the rest of the year. My prediction, Kenny will be playing in either Korea or Japan next year and will hit yeah. a lot of home runs for big money. Yeah, go over there and mash. It'll, it'll be nice for him. That's true. Uh, horrible story. Trevon, Trevon uh, Boykin, the quarterback that was so good at TCA, TCU, yeah. uh, has uh, been uh, investigated for allegations of domestic violence made against his uh, girlfriend, uh, Shabrika Bailey. She suffered a broken jaw that had to be wired shut, among other injuries, according to uh, WFAA, a a TV station, uh, I think, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, with that news, I've never seen that much blood. Uh, Who said that? Uh, Someone, a witness, I guess, uh, the Seahawks have released Boykin in the wake of the allegations. Uh, Bailey told WFFA that she and Boykin got into argument after she refused to unlock her phone to show him a text message she had received, and he had demanded, demanded to see it. So he goes into a choke. I remember him choking me, and I'm trying to calm him down, and I just couldn't, and I blacked out. I just couldn't calm him down, the pressure, uh, blah, blah, blah. So a uh, terrible, uh, terrible incident uh, with that uh, uh, Boykin who, uh, uh, not good, not good to say the least. Didn't he get in trouble? I thought he got in trouble for something. At his, TC- senior, his senior yeah, year at TCU, TCU where he got suspended he? for, I think he got suspended right. for their bowl game or something mm-hmm. that year because he got in trouble for something. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you, like me, are still embarrassed to be a Minnesotan because of what the Timberwolves did last <laughs> night, uh, yeah. today at uh, they had practice today. Tibbs had practice. Uh, and he said, same old, same old, you just have to keep coming. When you fall short of something that you want, you've got to pick yourself up and you've got to go. And you've got to keep going until you, we get it done. And I believe we'll get, we will get it done. I told them that today. We've just got to keep fighting. Okay. We just got to uh, play for 48 minutes. All right, Tibbs. You know, he's gotten loonier on the sidelines as far as complaining to the officials. It's, uh, and it's, it is it is white noise. I think for the officials now, it's white noise. And, and it's, it's probably and it's white rubbing noise off on the players, players too, yeah. now. That's, that's the really big issue. It's rubbing off on Towns, and 
you know, and and ties a little bit. Yeah, they were uh, they and, were complaining last night uh, occasionally on obvious fouls. You know that they were yeah. they had hack guys, and then they they turned around and complained. But uh, I, you know, I guess he's been a complainer, but I think he's gotten worse. Yeah, it's I think gotten, 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 gotten a lot worse. The officials at some point just say, uh, but hey, nice victory for J.B. Bickerstaff, if nothing yeah. else. Nothing yeah, else. I think it's about time he gets a head gets coach. To, I don't know if it'll be Memphis, but somebody's got to, to win one. Here. Yeah. Gets to win one. And one more thing, Tennessee, your AD, John Curry, the guy yeah. who conducted that fine football <laughs> search, uh, who was there 10 months, got fired, got a $2.5 million settlement from the Vols, who, uh, they, so how much money total did they pay to separate between Butch Jones and this guy? They had to owe Butch Jones, I think, seven, eight million. I think, I think Butch was six million, mm-hmm. I think, and yeah, John Curry, what, two and a half? And you ended up with Jeremy Pruitt, right? The uh, Jeremy assistant, Pruitt, uh, the defensive coordinator, coordinator for Alabama. Hoping he's as slick as Kirby Smart, though. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I still, I'm. I mean, I, I like Jeremy Pruitt, but I still kind of wanted this guy. Why do you think the offensive line startled so much tonight? Because I think they think they're too good and they're not very tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted my guy Leach. He'd be fun. All right, we'll be back. Manny Hill, do you have a daily complaint? Yeah, it's a pretty obvious one. The Timberwolves. <laughs> Last night was just uh, that's just I got I got no more words. Uh-huh. That was just that was just terrible. You cannot you you have, you have already exhausted all of your bad losses. Yes, that's that, that's that, a very that, good that you point. can that you yes. can afford to get away with mm-hmm. this year. And you've had a few of them this year. But last night, just at this stage of the season, when you're trying to get a good playoff spot, and you know I still think they're going to make the playoffs, but they did themselves no favors by. Uh, did you see the blank looks night. on Butler and everybody? The cameras were showing there. At yeah, the end. they were like. How about John modified. Lucas? How about John Lucas the third? Did you see him too? He was in street clothes, kind of sitting behind the bench, mm-hmm. and he was just kind of like, <laughs> "Like, <laughs> are you got to be kidding me? Like, are we really going to lose this game?" Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Um, it was amazing. Uh, third quarter, fourth quarter performance. Three, three out, for well, seventeen. Three for seventeen. And eleven can't make points. A shot. You know, I've always said uh, people always look for great explanations and how something like this has happens in basketball, but shooting is the great equalizer in basketball. If, if you know, you let them make the fifteen out of thirty-one, and you go three for seven on threes, and you go three for seventeen in the fourth quarter, you can lose to anybody. That's Paul, what we found out. Paul Pierce always said it's a make or miss league. Yeah. <laughs> you make shots, you win. If you miss shots, you lose. Uh, That's guys, simple. And they don't. It, you know, the funny thing is when you keep seeing the results of their offensive efficiency because it doesn't seem right logical. They don't yeah. get easy baskets. They everything work. is difficult. Yeah. Tr- everything is hard. We, it's always hard. They, As I said the other day uh, when we were talking, they haven't had the nine-game winning streak, the 10-game winning streak, the 11-game right. winning streak that all these teams are competing for. I've had. Portland, Oklahoma had, City, they've had five. Utah, yeah. They've had five once. Yeah. You know, they've... They, Win they, three, lose two. They Win have, two, lose two. Everything yeah. they do is hard. And last night, it was hard from the get-go. It was hard from the get-go, and you lost to Memphis. That's my daily complaint also, that, uh, you know, you'd like to... 
the, the NBA is great. You'd like to join the fun, but they're 42 and 33, and everybody in town hates them. <laughs> for good First reason. winning season in 14 for, years, for and everybody reason. is mad at them. But And they should be. Yeah, After last absolutely. night, there is no excuse. No excuse. This is the 41 donut of basketball. <laughs>